Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and you're listening to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to a special edition of the Powercat Postgame Podcast. If you listened to the first one we did, it was with Cole Carmody. He did a great job. We had some technical difficulties. A lot of it was old man related in me, but some of it was other things. So uh, we couldn't quite connect with Brian Hanley, who uh, stood by patiently while I tried to get through the road podcast issues. And I decided we're going to make a positive out of this, Brian Hanley. We're going to just do a second postgame podcast because that game deserves two, if you ask me. It does. Absolutely. It is Tim Fitzgerald and Brian Hanley and our friends at Caddyshack Golf are our sponsors. This is a bonus episode for them, too. I hope you make it to CaddyshackGolf.com. That's Caddy with two T's. Celebrate that big win over the Sooners with some great golfing willy apparel. It's incredible stuff. I love it. And as I said on the first edition of the post-game OU podcast. It's quarter zip season and go check out their quarter zips. It's Caddy Shack Golf. It's Caddy with two T's. Use the code GPC for free shipping. Brian Hanley, just give me your overall thoughts on how that game transpired. A 41-34 Kansas State victory over sixth ranked Oklahoma on Saturday night. I was in awe of how the Wildcats played. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of what we had played out, what we thought they needed to do. This is literally what they did. They played physical on both sides of the line. Uh, The quarterback threw the ball down the field. The play calling was excellent. I mean, there were some spotty stuff at times, but it was excellent. I mean, it, it just, it played out exactly how, these games have been playing out where K-State's gone on the road and beaten OU. It, it was almost like a blueprint of of what had happened previously. Yeah, it was uh, incredible. I don't know. There's, there's something in the water why K-State has been able to compete with Oklahoma on a steady basis through the years, particularly in Norman, now have won four out of six down there. Um, I think Oklahoma is going to be damn happy that K-State is in the SEC. And I'm not just saying that because it's self-serving, but seriously, I think they're happy to be rid of K-State in a year or two. Yeah, I mean, we're throwing in their side. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it's just, it's a game where I know they think they should win. 
but for some reason we play really well. They played well. I mean, it's not that OU didn't play well. It's just a game that we just played better. I mean, it is what it is. I, I don't know what it is. Like you said, it must be something in the water, but the one thing that I do know being a former player confidence is everything when you're dealing with 18 to 22 and 23 year olds. So if you're confident, you can go and do something that, especially something that you've done before that makes and, and something that you haven't done before on the OU side of it, that, that just makes all world a difference. Well, Brian, you have been in the Kansas state locker room as a lineman, 97, 98 for the Wildcats. And in a situation coming off a deflating defeat like that, is the coaching staff's job as much mental as anything? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, although I can say that Tulane played a more physical football game, it wasn't that they just beat us up and threw us around and all these other things. It was just, for me, it, they weren't mentally in the game and weren't ready to play. You can label that on coaching. Also with leaders within the locker room. They just weren't ready. Well, they were ready and to get guys ready again, it's mental. It's I mean, obviously you want to practice and do the things, you know, that physical side of it, but it's all mental. When you come off a disappointing loss in a game that you should have won, it's absolutely a mental thing. I did not think it was possible that Adrian Martinez could go in to an, a week after playing a dreadful game, maybe the worst game of his college career. And if you've been keeping track of him at Nebraska, he had some dogs, but nothing like that, where the stats just didn't make sense. The outcome of the game didn't make sense. But I didn't think there was a chance he could flip the switch, literally. And that's how Chris Kleiman said, flip the switch, turn it on. And he did it, Brian. I didn't think it was possible. I thought it was too much mental gymnastics to work that out. But that was a completely different dude. And and that wasn't just a different dude than what we've seen at Kansas State. That was a different quarterback than we've probably seen at almost any time in his career. He said it's his best game of his career. No turnovers, few mistakes, brilliant decision-making, decisive decision-making. And I've been re-watching the game. Brian, he was cool as a cucumber the entire game. He just looked in complete command of his emotions physically and of the team. How did he do that? Well, you know, here's one of the things, though, Fitz, is if you played your worst game, and he knew it was his worst game. I mean, it's one thing for us fans and coaches and even other guys on the team to say, to know, not necessarily to say it to him, but to know he knew that it was his worst game. And he knew that he was under fire. There's no better way to come out than to say, you know what? I'm just going to go out here and just play football. And if we, if I play well, great. If I don't, it can't be worse than what I just played. It literally can't be worse than what I just played. So I think that had a lot to do with it. And he just played up to his capabilities. Now he had a lot of help. But he did his thing. It's just, it's one of those things, man. You can flip a switch when you know that you've played awful. And it's just like, hey, I can't play worse than this. And to be honest with you, even if he had turned the ball over a few times, I don't know that he could have played worse than what he did at Tulane. Seriously. And so I just think, hey, I'm just going to let it rip. I'm going to do my thing and let the chips fall where they may. Clearly, these guys have confidence in me. I'm out here. I'm the starter. I need to just play football. And that's what he did. He just went out there and played football. Again, he had help. 
but that's why it's football. Everybody has help. So, I mean, I just, I, I couldn't be more proud of the guy because I know he took it on the chin from everywhere, from me, you, everybody yeah. took it on the chin and, and quite as kept. He was probably taking, not necessarily in the locker room, but he knew guys were looking at him sideways a little bit. He knew that. And he responded literally the best way that you can. I think he went back and watched film and saw exactly what we all saw. Because he said in the postgame, which he handled like a champ, he was he was great in postgame. We sat him down at the table like Chris Kleiman and, and went with him. And it was he was so good. But he said, I left a lot on the field last week. I, and he, he knew he let himself down, let his teammates down, let the fans down. Um, and the players had his back, though. I mean, everyone yeah. stuck by him. And that's only that's the only way you earn that kind of trust is you've shown it in practice. They, they yeah, know absolutely. exactly what you're made of. And you've shown it in games. You just hadn't shown it here yet. They were waiting for it. But that was the best version of Adrian Martinez. That version of Adrian Martinez would be a Heisman Trophy candidate if he could play that way consistently through the season. Now, he might have done too much damage already to that to get there with those first three games, but holy cow. He made Oklahoma's defense look like a bad FCS defense at some points. Yeah, he did. I mean, he was, I mean, collectively as a team, they just destroyed that defense. It was just demoralized him. But he especially, I, again, I want to heap as much praise on him as I possibly can because as hard as I was on him last week, I'm going to be just as good this week in giving the kid praise because he played a phenomenal, phenomenal football game. Just just diced him up, man. He, he literally he just carved out uh, the Oklahoma State or Oklahoma's defense, just carved out their heart and just took it away from them. And there was literally nothing they could do. Nothing they could do. He wasn't alone, though, in the fact that he upped his level of play. I thought a couple guys that just jumped out at me on both sides of the ball, linemen, Eli Huggins was amazing at nose tackle. Yeah. He owned that game at different times. They finally had to start doubling him a little bit because they, they just couldn't handle him one-on-one. -on -one. And you know what? He didn't play that well against Tulane. And I thought KT Levinston was pretty bad against Tulane. I thought the whole line wasn't good against Tulane. But KT, as an end, kind of – you. As you probably see the whole line, I kind of have to focus on a few guys. And I thought KT got carved up a little bit, missed some blocks. He'd been doing that through the season. Oh my God, he might have an arrest warrant out for him at, in, down at Norman <laughs> because he was he was mauling people. He was he just absolutely destroyed some guys, picked him, picking up blitzes, blocking down. He he just seemed to have vision that he hasn't shown at any point of his career. Yeah, I mean, uh, the whole line as a whole played outstanding. And here's how you know, is one of the things just to look at is even when guys got around or got close, our guys were there to push them one way or another. You know, it was, okay, guys are around because, you know, it's competitive college football. You can't just stonewall a guy, you know, every single snap. That's not going to happen. But even when guys, they're in position to say, you know what, I'm going to stay engaged and we're pushing guys and, and allowing us to get other places. It was just from as bad as they were against Tulane, they were literally the exact opposite against OU as far as the offensive line was concerned. It was just a complete 180. Couldn't be more proud of those guys. Again, I beat them up last week. I'm going to eat the praise on them this week. The guys were pushing guys around fits on Saturday, man. They were. They were.
Yeah, it was it was really something else. There's a lot of stats that jump out at you. K State had 509 total offensive yards. That I, they don't break 500 very often, just by nature of the offense. By note, Oklahoma had 550. Uh, but K-State just got enough stops. Oklahoma had enough penalties to make the difference in the game. And as uh, Michael Goins pointed out to me later um, after the game, I guess it was Sunday morning before I tried to call you, um, that that overthrow of uh, Stoops, on it was in the second quarter on a fourth down, that overthrow was the game. That was the yep. possession where they should have scored, they didn't score, and they lost by one touchdown. And that's how continuous this game was it was on a razor's edge the whole time and k-state made enough plays but this one jumped out at me in terms of stats brian hanley kansas state's offense ran 83 plays i i hope sports information can do the research so i don't have to i don't know when (laughs) was the last time k-state ran 80 plus plays but maybe there was a game out there i just don't remember it but they went tempo when they needed to. They slowed down when they needed to. This game was everything we thought it would be from Kansas State. Offense, defense, quarterback, the quarterback uh, running back. Uh, read option game was on point. Throwing to the tight end. Everything we envisioned at season start was on display in Norman, Oklahoma. And I, I think they finally figured out how to run Colin Klein's offense. And honestly, I think Colin Klein figured out how he wants to call a game. Yeah, I mean, that was part of it. I mean, again, uh, Colin Klein had a bad game against Tulane. He did. He had an outstanding game against Oklahoma. I mean, everybody just did a 180 from the coaching staff to the players. Everybody just did a complete 180. And a lot of it had to do with, you know what? We're going to open some things up. We're going to run some tempo. We're going to do some different things. You have to do that, you know, in order to compete in college football at this level. You just do. You can't just line up and run basic stuff and expect to just maul people and move them out of the way. Alabama doesn't do that. Georgia doesn't do that. You know, all the top teams in the country all do different stuff offensively from snap to snap. We have to do the same things. We did that, and we were able to keep them off balance. Uh, and again, it also helps when you got off the line that are just literally pushing guys around. So when when you have that, you know, mixed in with doing such different things, again, keeping teams off balance, not letting them understand the tendencies on what you're going to do, it just helps. And K-State did it. Colin Klein, he called a perfect game. Perfect game. He really did. There was a couple maybe you could ask for to have back, but look, I mean, not every play is going to work. The defense is trying, too. He just spoiled us by making it look like the defense wasn't trying at times. I want to hit on something, though, I just mentioned. That read option, you and I thought at the start of the year, that's going to be the bread and butter. I mean, who do you Mm -hmm. pick? Who do you pick? And it was clear defenses were picking Vaughn. They were going to stop him. And Martinez wasn't responding in kind with the same kind of running ability that we had seen from him. Well, that changed. I, he he was so definitive in the run game. When he pulled that ball out of Deuce's stomach and he had at least one of those up for a touchdown where the entire team seemed to tackle Deuce Vaughn and Ben Sennett kicked out one of the potential tacklers in front of Adrian Martinez – it was it was art. It was beautiful. You couldn't tell from the press box who had the ball and apparently couldn't tell from the field level, too, because Oklahoma was fooled. Yeah. I mean, read option game was spectacular in a word. I mean, again, 
there's going to be a ton of attention placed on Duke Vaughn. And there, as well, there should be. Number one, he's an outstanding football player, but that's literally what we've shown the first three weeks. And the quarterback keeping the ball just wasn't, even though it may have been a little bit a part of it, we weren't successful at doing it. So, you know, they're reading keys, and when they see it, that's what they react to. It was blocked perfectly, run perfectly, called perfectly. I mean, it was just, I don't want to say it was the perfect game because it wasn't, but it was close. It was was close. It was a thing of beauty. You're listening to a bonus edition of the Powercat Postgame Podcast. We did one on Sunday with our Cole Carmody after we had some technical difficulties getting hold of Brian Hanley. And we've come back and said, let's do a redo. So we're with Brian. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, the leaders in K-State sports coverage. We'll be right back with more of the Powercat Postgame Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Kansas State's Felix and Yudika Uzama. Welcome back to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to a special bonus edition of the PowerCat Postgame Podcast sponsored by Caddy Shack Golf. We tried to talk to Brian Hanley on Sunday. Technology outdid the olds, which was me in this case. So we have uh, reorganized ourselves and done it here from the studio. It'll be a little bit briefer than the normal post-game podcast because poor Brian's at work. He doesn't want to talk to me. He wants to to do banking stuff. From the golf course to the tailgate, show your purple pride all week long. Caddyshack Golf. Caddyshack with two Ts. Visit caddyshackgolf.com. Use code GPC on your next order for free shipping. Go check out their stuff. It's so cool, even for us non-golfers. Brian, Kansas State struggled so much against Tulane converting third and fourth downs. Nope, not against a better defense from Oklahoma. They were 8-17 of on third downs, 2-2 two and two on fourth downs. And you know what they did one time? They ran a quarterback mm. sneak, and yep. it worked. It's shocking. I know. I know. It's crazy play calling. <laughs> they got back to basics, didn't they? They did. They did. You know, uh, again, I know a lot of people were clamoring for it. I, I know that a quarterback sneak isn't the sexy call but it's the effective call. And I think more people are not just K-State fans around the country are starting to, to realize, you know what, you're four or fourth and one. A quarterback sneak is literally the best play. You don't have to get back in the shotgun and run a read option. And Hey man, let's just move forward and get the first down and get to, you know, and, and go from there. And that's why we were able to run so many plays because we were so efficient on third down, you know, and getting the third downs and what we were doing and in fourth down. 
it, it just we get back to basics and say, you know what, let's just get a first down. We don't have to do anything fancy. Let's just get a first down so we can start the play calling all over again. And that's what they did an outstanding job of doing is just let's get here. Let's get it. And let's start a new series of downs. I certainly great play calling. I certainly couldn't call plays as well as Colin Klein does. I, I don't know if I'd be any good at it at all, but I know this. You got to set some things up to make other things work. And I don't feel like K-State ever set up that we're just going to muscle it forward on you so that you can get fancy later when they think you're just going to sneak the ball. They kind of got it backwards, and the defense was never put in a position where they thought it was going to be a quarterback sneak. Well, maybe now K-State's gotten back to basics and said, you know what? You can't stop us on fourth and one, and maybe not on third and one. So that kind of sets them up in the future to say, you know what? We're going to line up with the quarterback under center, and we're not going to sneak it on third and one and do something else, and we'll come back on fourth and one if it doesn't work. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all part of play calling. Again, it's just what you mentioned before. You got to set things up. There's an art to it. I mean, there is, I mean, being an old, you know, the son of a, a old high school football coach whose dad called plays for years. I used to see it. Now I didn't understand it at the time, but you watch old tapes and you see, Oh, that's why he did that. That's why he did that. And then especially you get into, you know, playing at K state, you see it, you know, on a day-to-day basis, this is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing this. I mean, it, it all makes sense. Um, and I think they did a great job of that. And you're exactly right. You start showing some of these things and being successful. It just leads to so many other things down the road. Well, you and I are uh, big guys. Um, in fact, I'm like literally twice the man of any of my employees. Um, and, uh, we don't function well in heat and humidity. No. How does that affect a player? As someone who's been out there in that kind of situation, I mean, Cooper Beebe went down cramping. Felix Anudike Uzama went down cramping. There was exhaustion. K-State's offense held the ball for more than 20 minutes of the first half, but that kind of got turned around a little bit. It was more 50-50 in the second half. In fact, Oklahoma had a slight uh, advantage in possession time, which was great because that means they had to be driving um, instead of those quick scores they had in the first half. But how try how troubling difficult is it to play in hot human conditions when it's just that muggy as it was Saturday night it's tough it's tough man and it's not even the heat it's the humidity that zaps it out of you it's just so clammy and sticky you just have to you have to hydrate you have to drink more than what you think that you need you have to drink and you just have to do it even when you don't think that you're thirsty every time that you get an opportunity to drink water you drink a ton of it because it will go through you i mean just like that i mean you will literally sweat it out sitting down I mean, that's the whole thing. Just having on football equipment, sitting on the bench, you're going to start sweating in, in heat like that, and you will sweat out more water than what you think just by sitting down, not to mention out there running around, playing in a football game. So it's tough, man. It is. It's just tough. Um, you got to fight through it. But again, I mean, sometimes it's just nothing you can do. I mean, you can only do so much. Your body is what it is. Uh, you put as much fluid as you can in you, and sometimes your body just says, you know what, I've had enough, no matter what you do. You know, and yeah. so it, it's just a difficult thing, man. It, it's difficult, but you, you you just fight through it. I mean, there's nothing really I can say. I mean, the body is the body. It does what it does. You can do what you are supposed to do, and sometimes you win, and sometimes your body says, nah, I'm going to win. 
Yeah, so. it was uh, it was difficult to watch because this is the second straight week of frontline player. First against Tulane, Deuce Vaughn had to go to the locker room. This week it was Cooper Beebe uh, going in. I'm not sure if Felix did or not, um, but that just sucks. I mean, you, you literally yeah. leave the playing field to go into the locker room, and it's really probably more stuff that can be done before the game, uh, making sure you're hydrated going oh, yeah. into the game. So it – they they got to figure that out. But luckily, we're supposed to have beautiful weather on Saturday morning when Texas Tech comes to town. And we'll see if uh, a healthy K-State team can handle a, a Texas Tech team coming off a win over Texas. How about that, Brian Hanley? OU yeah. and Texas are 0-1 in the conference. 0-1 in yeah. the conference. And the two teams that beat them get to play Saturday morning on the streaming service, not even on network TV. Doink. Yeah, uh, disappointing as far as that's concerned. It's ridiculous, but what are you going to do? But, yeah, I, I mean, Tech is not bad, man. I know people were picking Tech to not be as good this year, but they've shown that, that they've got something going. You know, they got something going, and we're going to have to come to play. It's not going to be an easy game yep. for sure, and we can't rest on our laurels. You know, OU was great, but OU is over. It's time to move on. And, and again, I know this is the old Coach Snyder, you know, saying it's basically an old coach saying, hey, last week was last week. Can't help you this week. So and that's exactly the truth. Can't help you this week. And we got a new opponent. We got to come out and win. Yeah, I I learned a lot of stuff from Bill Snyder covering him through the years, you know, and he, he said things that I think other coaches picked up on. And now everyone thinks they're a cliche, but um, Coach Snyder was saying it. He probably picked it up from an old coach way back when. First of all, you can't let an opponent beat you twice. Chris Kleiman nope. avoided that. And you can't let an opponent beat you because you think so highly of yourself from the week before. And that's the challenge that's right. that faces K-State this week. You you guys Absolutely. are really good. You played at a high level with a high level of emotion that I don't know if they can match in every game. So you're going to have to make sure you're being very efficient and executing. I thought they executed plays at a really high level. There was a couple mess-ups, but you expect that. I, I If they keep executing plays, they're going to be really difficult on both sides of the ball. Well, here's the thing about it is, and I think that we have to, or the the guys, if they're not already, which I'm sure they're probably pretty confident, they got to get into the mindset is what you said. You're good. I mean, you won, went out and won a football game against Oklahoma who did not play bad. They had some penalties, but Oklahoma's a good football team. They didn't just have 15 turnovers or something stupid. You went and beat them. That's what happened because why? Because we are a good football team. And when you're a good football team, you expect to play well. It's kind of what you said, though. You're not going to play at that high of emotion every single week, but you still can play very, very good football because you're good. The guys just have to understand that. Hey, and it's a new challenge, you know, a new challenge every week, but you have to play well and you can play well. Because you're good. And the guys just have to believe that. I know that sometimes we don't want to think that. And it's, sometimes it's better to be underdogs and all this kind of stuff. But you know what? When you're good, you're good. And we have a good team. Brian, a side benefit of all the heat and humidity and substitution was the number of young players that played. And we think of getting guys in the game when K-State's ahead. We, you know, right. get, them, get them out on the field. Get them some experience. Some of these young guys, 
got thrown into the fire out of necessity. I think Chris Kleiman said they basically used everyone they brought on defense. And <laughs> and you had to have a flip card. You had to have a roster because they were running guys in and out. Um, they had some injuries. They had some guys that just couldn't go. They had Nick Allen playing um, an outside linebacker at one point coming in for Austin Moore. I thought that was an interesting substitution we hadn't seen. He played great. These young guys, for the most part, step up. I think a couple cornerbacks learned some lessons. I think a couple young corners said, I probably need to get better to cover Marvin Mims. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> the, the, the best cornerbacks are going to have problems with that guy. I, I think this was a great opportunity for K-State, not just to play young guys, but to show them, you know what, you played a role in a major college football victory, and you're going to play a lot more roles in the future. It's, I mean, it's essential. It's essential nowadays with transfer portal going on and the way that college, you know, you're basically building a roster every single year. It's not the old days where, hey, you know what? You're going to sit here and you're going to be here for two years and not play. It's not built that way anymore. Everybody's got to be ready to play because number one, injury. But number two, again, we're building a roster for this year. Next year, it's going to be totally different. So when you get your opportunity, guys got to be ready. And for the most part, guys were, you know, and it's great to see. Um, I, I like to see young guys get out there and be able to compete at a high level. Again, they got to learn what they're doing. That's a different thing. But at the same time, the more it, it's going to help the program. I know some people don't believe that. Trust me, the younger that guys get to play, the better recruits that you will get. It happens all over the country. And I'm telling you, it will happen in K-State. That's just the way it works. Guys want to come in and play and they want to play right now. Well, if you can play right now, we can show that they can come in and play and play well. More guys will come. That's just the way it works. I found it really interesting that what I kind of thought came true at the start of the season after the Tulane game, I bailed. I didn't think there was any way K-State was winning this game, but I thought all the pressure coming into the season was going to be on OU and Brent Venables in this game because he's the one with the relationship with K-State. The K-State coaches and players knew Brent Venables, but didn't know him. He's not a friend. Right. This is his alma mater. This is where he played his you know, FBS football. This is where he coached for so many years. Uh, it came out after all this was said and done that uh, when he left for Oklahoma, he turned down an offer to be associate head coach and defensive coordinator under Bill Snyder. So there were some bitter feelings about that. Uh, you know, you could argue that it worked out great for Brent, but I thought, I don't want to say coach tight, but it looked like he had the much tighter sideline, the much more reluctant sideline. They put doubt into OU's mind early in the game by jumping out 14 nothing. And I think Chris Kleiman taking the ball and said, I want my offense against your defense from the get-go, sent a message to everyone, including K-State's offense and the entire Oklahoma sideline. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was trying to send a message, number one, but he was also telling his kids, especially his quarterback, I believe in you. Let's go do this thing. And we talked about it earlier. Confidence is everything. It's literally everything when you're talking about kids from 18 to 23 years old on a football field. And if you display that confidence in them right off the bat, 
they can deliver for you. And they did deliver for them. And it, just what you said, it put doubt in Oklahoma's mind because let's just be honest, Oklahoma hadn't been tested all year. Nope. They hadn't been tested by anybody all year. I know Nebraska came out and scored a touchdown early the week before, but Nebraska was, they're not a good football team. K-State is a good football team and they could feel K-State's presence early and often. And that makes a difference. That makes a huge difference. And we were able to put that pressure on them and we never let up. I just went back and watched the third and what was it? 16, 55 yard run by Adrian Martinez. Brian, that was one of the more remarkable plays in football history at Kansas state. It was so well-timed, but to have that kind of player that could do that kind of thing at that moment, he ran through an Oklahoma defense filled with speed and great athletes like they were no one. And yeah. when it when they finally got an angle and caught him, he didn't go out of bounds. He didn't he didn't do anything silly or risk the ball. He slid. He kept the clock running after the chains were set. He just and every time that they made a stop, maybe on a the first and goal when uh OU scored their second to last touchdown on what was called a pick play was correctly you know, picked up after I went back and watched it. It was in the backfield, the the pass. But they stopped him on first down and burned another 30 seconds or so. Every second counted in this game, and Adrian knew that, and he slid down, and it took K-State two plays to get into the end zone. But they did it, and they scored and took probably an extra minute off the clock. Just huge. Every, he seemed to hit every note. Yeah, he. I mean, the, the guy, I mean, I, I don't know that I've seen a play – in that type of situation uh, ever at K-State. I, I really don't because I thought he was sacked. And then I thought, okay, he's going to get out of this because I mentioned it before. Guys are on a guy up front. Even if they're not in front of them, they were pushing guys. And I thought, okay, it's third and 16. He's going to get about five or six yards, and then we're going to punt the football. Fine. And I was going to be okay with that. Well, then he kept running. And then he kept running. And I thought – Oh, wow, he's up the sideline, and they can't catch him. I was like, I had no idea, and I knew he was a great athlete, but he just ran away from those guys. I had no idea he was that fast. And then just what you said, the presence of mind, you know what, I'm going to slide here. I'm not playing hero ball. You know, so many college approaches, guys in general, try to play hero ball. I'm going to be the hero and get down there and do something stupid and fumble. Nope, I'm not doing that. I'm sliding and we're going to run some more time off the clock, and we're going to get in here and score and ice this football game. And that's what he did. Just can't can't say enough about what a great football game that he played. Just can't say enough. Well, let me end with this. The great moment that I missed watching it live. I didn't pick it up. And kudos to the Fox crew for having this in their back pocket to play it. K-State sealed the game with that last quarterback run into the end zone. Quarterback power. Colin Klein called the exact same play he ran 10 years ago to beat Oklahoma in 2012. The same game-sealing play, quarterback power. This time it was Adrian Martinez. Brother, that is sweet. Yeah, I heard him say it, and then I thought, you know what? I've heard that play a time or two in my lifetime. <laughs> so that is, that is in the playbook. You know, a lot of times announcers will just say anything because the audience doesn't know, you know, what's going on. And I'm thinking, 
No, that, that's a real play. That, that's not something made up. That's literally the play. I know it. And they did it. And I'm like, unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. It was great. Um, just a huge win for K-State, yeah. man. Huge. Yeah. Next week or this week, I guess it is. Kansas State takes on Texas Tech at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Game kicks at 11. There's still tickets available, people. Let's go get those bought up. Let's have another full stadium at the Bill. The game kicks at 11. It's on ESPN+. Plus. So if you hate streaming services, you might have come over. Might as well come over. It's going to be beautiful weather. Week after now, they have announced the Iowa State game. Game six of the season for Kansas State will take place in Ames at 6.30 p.m., that Saturday night, and that game will be shown on ESPNU. So kind of buried on the U and another night game on the road. So, Brian, that means old man and technology will have another battle Sunday in a hotel room <laughs> as we try to do another edition of the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. But we will do one after Tech. We plan on doing one after Iowa State. No, I'm confident we'll do one after Iowa State. Brian, I appreciate you so much. Thanks for making time on a Monday to talk to us. No problem. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's it for this edition, bonus edition of the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. Make sure you check out our regular podcast coming later in the week, pregame podcast on Thursday, and it'll be Brian joining me once again. I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about, but we'll find something. And then the Friday walkthrough right up into game time. I'm telling you what, folks, this is a great time to be a K-State fan, and it's a great time to be a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. PowerCat.com.